0: Hello and welcome to the Equity Foundation podcast. The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of Actors' Equity. Our mission is to assist, educate and inspire performers. To find out more, visit www.equityfoundation.org.au.
1: Hello everybody and and great to be with you from, uh, I'm sorry to say Paris, Uh, actually I'm happy to say Paris. I'm so honored and delighted that you guys have, have joined in on this conversation. So I'm looking forward to meeting as many of you as I can. Scott, what have you seen
0: change in what's required of an actor?
1: Well, that I think that's a profound question, Chris, because I think that that the the challenges faced by the 21st century actor are unlike any other challenges. And I think a lot of old ways of of approaching the craft are not helpful anymore. And frankly, I think they're... A couple of uh, uh, big challenges that you face, led by the digital revolution. Fact is, is that film stock is rarely used nowadays, and so as consequence, they can take a lot more footage of you, and and that that need to be true over and over again, uh, as you're on set, and the need for uh, a live performance as you go as you go in and out of things. The only the only limitation on their side is time, which of course is very expensive. But it used to be that if you took 20 takes that was costing money, a lot of money in terms of film stock and processing and all of that. So that's one challenge. The other challenge I think the actor faces that no previous generation has faced is the long run. You get an 18 month contract on stage And that's a brilliant thing, but it does throw up real challenges for the actor. When a long run used to be 75 years ago, three months was a long run. Uh, Six months was amazing. And now two years is not at all uh, out of the question. So it seems to me that the, the specific challenges facing a 21st century actor are the challenge of being continuously true as opposed to getting it right just once or, Or twice or for three months that that's a huge challenge and do you think like you know having said that because
0: I think that's really important because I think
1: you know the industry
0: does change based on certain you know uh, advances in technology and also now that we watch things on so many different types of screens and we are consuming content like there's you know no tomorrow especially now when we're in a place where we are engaging on screen so much more than we ever have. And uh, so that in a way has changed the way we either view content or the way that we engage with our content. So what do you think that means? What does that require of the modern actor, you know, other than in terms of their training and what their uh, ability is to manage themselves? What do you, what do you think is important for them?
1: Uh, It seems to me that comes in several stripes. That's a great question, Chris. For example, we are in currently, for the last year and a half, we're in the land of Zoom. And Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we've adequately figured out what Zoom performance is. Um, Having this set of tiles in front of us and and we're meant to make the leap as we watch that those people are interrelating, even though I've got seven faces looking at me, is not really a satisfying way for us to perceive drama, it, it doesn't. I've rarely seen the Zoom performances really satisfy. So I'm sort of thinking that we're not going to stick with this Zoom thing. This is only a stopgap until we're able to, you know, adequately get back in the room and then make uh, product in in a more traditional way. But I agree with you. Your, um, I mean, everything from uh, an advert on YouTube, which you are, you know, you, as you watch a YouTube event, you're holding your finger over that skip ad button. So you get (laughs) so quickly. And I think that combined with what we used to call MTV editing, that quick edit that started in Mm the 1980s means that you've got to land your stuff with no no time to spare. There's no building up to it. There's no uh, going down from it. So part of it's in the edit. Part of it's in the actor's approach too. Um, And I think the answer is connection. Um, The connection has to be profound and true and immediate and right now for the actor, even if that's being recorded. You can't, there's no time for you to go into your head and and haul up your your feelings. It's gotta be right here and now. So it seems to be the argument for, that technology presents us now, is the argument of instant connection and response.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic um, answer because I, I think that one of the things that I was talking to with a, a teacher and also a casting director and she said one of the things that this thing, what, what this event, we can call pandemic, this thing has created a level playing field in terms of it's raw. We, you know, It doesn't matter how pretty your background is, doesn't matter if you have a great self-tape setup. But the most important thing that they're looking for in the first 30 seconds of of an audition self-tape or a performance is whether you can grab their attention and it is connection. Because even though we have limited connection in terms of, uh, I guess, being in the room, but what we're looking for is the ability to pierce through that screen and connect with either the person that we're sending that message to or the dialogue or the, the intention to. And I just wanted to, I guess chat about that in a way is that it did open up a really you know everyone's on the same it's very raw it's very um uh, i guess an even playing field so it doesn't matter what um if anything anyone can be in the digital landscape or the virtual casting room
1: you know on the same playing field while we're on the subject of virtual casting chris what i'm hearing on the ground is that um uh, this, this the last five years or eight years of self-taping got uh, uh, turbocharged in the time of COVID. And um, my casting director contacts are telling me it's not going away. It's the wave of the future. And it will be rare now that you get in the room. I I know so many people who are being cast right off the self-tape and never, never get into the room with the people until they shoot or until they begin rehearsals. I think that puts, like you suggest, Chris, I think that puts a huge obligation on the actor for simplicity in their presentation and directness and contact and, you know, responsiveness. I don't want to take a swipe at any particular approach, but uh, I'm just aware that in, our, in the hurry-up times we live in, um, there isn't a lot of time for exploration or um, or practice. That You know, the, the producer wants it now and the the director's got a lot of pressures and there's all this stuff going that, that means the actor has to stand and deliver instantly. And and so I think the, the key thing, and I'm, I'm reiterating what I said before, the key thing is to have um, a, a sense of aliveness and a sense of connection that is both hyper-present, but also really fluid and malleable so that when circumstances change, so does the actor.
2: Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's, when I see great acting, that's what I feel like I'm watching is this ability to um, to flip in an instant. If you think about the, the great tradition of method acting, you're actually watching actors dive into their own feelings and and produce these enormous experiences. You know, the Al Pacino's of the world, uh, those people who just who have this huge inner life, but I'm not sure that's what we want anymore in performance. I don't, I, I, I question whether that, like David Mamet in that book, True and False, is asking the question, is the method still a valid way of working? And he asked that question in the mid nineties. Mm. Uh, and I think uh, it only it's only intensified that question since.
0: Yeah, I and I also think that does beg the question now was what becomes relevant in terms of actors training, because, because we're seeing something now in a very um, defined frame and it means that you know does like all even even drama schools now their auditioning process is via self tape because it takes away in the room so i get why you know from a casting director's perspective it changes the geographical limitations of where you are and the ability to see as many people as possible i mean the casting director still has to manage all of those things and i totally understand that they do get to see more people therefore have more choice, but then they have to make those choices based on, you know, budgetary reasons and, you know, status and profile. And then also, you know, where are they and can we get them in and can we put them in a bubble and all these other things. So I think it's kind of a catch-22 in some, in some cases where there are pluses and there are, you know, minuses. And what I, I guess I want to ask to you is that does this change the way that we view training and the way that what's relevant now, is, is drama school as relevant as it used to be because when it's not in person, you know, or it's very rarely in person now, because there's many different ways to train.
1: Uh, that's for sure. I mean, we can underscore that. There's a a, a lot more options on the menu than there mm. used to be in the world of training. You know, I'm I'm familiar with what's happening in Australia but um, obviously my base is Europe and uh, and and my knowledge base is, is more uh, rooted over here. But I would say this, kind of pulling out one thread from what you just said, Chris, um, the great opportunity of self-tape is you can be seen anywhere, anytime. You can upload a video and you're going to have a, a shot at Hollywood and you'll have a shot at Bollywood and you'll have a shot at uh, a show, anywhere you're willing to travel. And that is, that's, that's the huge benefit for the, for the modern actor. The downside is, is obvious and I think kind of profound. It's the downside of not being able to be in the room and flexible for them. So mm-hmm. when they give you feedback, it's impressive if you can make a change in your audition, then they have that chance to interact with you in that way. So the, the downside to the self-taping revolution is that you don't, Get the chance to get any feedback from them, or have any kind of information if you've gone off piece in any way. I still think, though, it's a great thing. I think, on balance, it's a it's a great new world order uh, for for the actor. But it does, for me, require that level of directness, that level of uh, instant responsiveness. Um, I, I don't want to uh, pump up any particular person, but as it happens, yesterday I fa- I found a. A thing on YouTube that I saw. It was an audition by a kind of shooting star over in England, a guy named Jonathan Bailey. If you know him, you probably know him from Bridgerton. If anybody's watching that, he's a he's about early thirties now, and he just won an Olivier Award for a, a, a really remarkable performance in a in a revival of the musical Company. And uh, this audition. Uh, is is a is a taped audition of him singing for a show called The Last Five Years, and he oh, yeah. got the role. And you ever go online and see this thing, you'll see what an exquisite uh, performance he's given in this audition of singing this song. And and it seems to me exactly what you and I are talking about here, Chris. That that he's so present and so intensely um, in the moment. I I would have been shocked if he hadn't gotten it. It's well worth a look. Jonathan Bailey is his name, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's fantastic that we can have access to those pieces of work and also, you know, that he can deliver that for, you know, an audition. And I think if anything, it's forced us to get into the modern um, realm of going, well, we need to be self-sufficient. Does this require actors to be autonomous? But we know as, as actors that we need other actors to bounce off in order to be able to do what we do. So that level of connection that we have does require that interaction with another person. And it's a much harder thing to do when that other person is on a screen and you're being filmed and you're doing something on a screen and we're missing a layer of seeing the eyes, you know, or feeling the presence of the other person. So I, I wonder if that means that what we're trying to do is to really uh, find another way of engaging and, and another way of you know, delivering a performance or delivering something that will grab someone's attention or that will be seen. And I think that's interesting because we don't get the adjustment. We don't get the direction unless we're doing a virtual audition with a casting director or a director who's present. But otherwise, it's a big pitch. We, we're having a big swing, and we're going for it. And we're going. This is what it could be, right? So, I, I think that means that we um, we have to. I, I feel that it must be our duty to self educate and try and go. Okay, well, what what could this be? What could I do? So, I don't know if there are other actors out there who've engaged in in any online training, but I feel like you know, getting um, uh, getting present with how to do it and how to engage and how to use the technology would have to be a, of primary importance. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, Chris. And you, uh, uh, you and I have connected largely over the fact that I'm a Meisner-based guy. That you know, mm. I studied with Meisner uh, uh, early on in my in my career, and I uh, and I've used his practice extensively. And uh, <clears throat> uh, and so I'm coming at things from that angle, from that from the angle of of Meisner's basic idea. Um, So uh, for everybody watching, I just want to own my um, bias in that direction. But um, I think now it's kind of ubiquitous that you all would know or have had some pass at this exercise we call repetition. Um, The shock for me, Chris, in the last year and a half has been how exquisite that exercise is by Zoom. Have you had the experience?
0: 100% 100% yeah. agree and also and have used it as a tenet of how to work with zoom how to audition on zoom how to um, do anything in a in a digital frame I think that's super important and it's something that I, I actually thought it'd be, it was a great opportunity to talk about because it has helped me as a foundation and also to draw on other techniques but particularly uh, Mindness, simplicity and elegance for that reason is something that I thought would be a great thing to just, you know, to highlight, but also to mention, because primarily it's that, you know, that the ability to pierce and to connect and to see the behavior, technological things can, you know, to get in a way where I don't, we, there might be a lag or a delay, but the most important thing, you know, regardless of that, you know, is to really try and pick up on the behavior of the other person. So I, I will confirm my bias <laughs> in saying how <laughs> well it's wor- it has worked in this format. And I think it's a really um, uh, important thing. So I think we're both in
1: agreement there. Give a little tiny bit to that, because this is sort of anticipating what I'm going to be talking with John Batchelor about next week, which is how this technique in, in more specific detail um, addresses the specific needs of the 21st century actor. So I don't really want to cover that too much, but um, I will say this: the basic principle of Meisner's work, that the underlying idea of everything Meisner taught, and it doesn't matter who t- who teaches you the work, uh, where you studied, if you studied it with a, you know, um, uh, a person who's read a book, or whether you've studied with a person who's been in the room with Meisner or another teacher. The basic principle remains the same. What happens to you as an actor doesn't depend on you. It depends on what the other person does to you, Um, which Meisner in his brilliant way of shorthanding called the pinch and the ouch. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when you work in Zoom, like you and I are working right here, Chris, uh, the the level of, 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 it's like acting with somebody in close up on on a cinema screen. Um, You know, the level of detail that you get to access is, is the gift of zoom. So uh, while there are are downsides, the upside is profound. And I've been getting amazing results in uh, zoom classes. Uh, In fact, I'm going to be doing some this week.
0: Yeah, well, everything is in the similar frame it's in the medium close up so therefore that doesn't change but the idea of leaning in to the person that you're trying to connect with is is the is the best thing you know so I think that's a that's a that's a yeah, yeah which is a great thing and, you, and and I have seen some amazing results on Zoom and and have been transported you know like I know that there are limitations to it I think we're all feeling that in some way shape or form but if we really embrace what's possible in this virtual landscape and, and using that as one of the principles, I think that people will get a lot out of that. So um, that's something I think is a definite plus, you know, that, that, that can, you can use the technology, but also what you, can, um, what you can glean from it and to your advantage. And if you have an understanding of that, that we are all striving to have some form of connection from what we're seeing or what we're experiencing, uh, then that's a really important um, thing to take away if not from today but from what you can
1: experience over the zoom platform Chris I know I know you as a stage actor I know you as a as a screen actor as well and it seems to me the big difference between stage and screen in one sense is the level of control an actor has over their own performance when you're on stage there's a greater degree of continuity of, 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 of you know, kind of an arc and a journey that mm. one goes on, typically. Uh, and when one is when one's working on television or or in any kind of a uh, shoot, that you're you're just putting it out there, and then they're going to do with it what they will when they get into the edit. So uh, it it seems to me the argument for uh, connectivity is the is the biggest argument of all about this. Th- that said, what what. You know, what we believe in my work is that the actor is living truthfully under a given set of circumstances, whether that given is the Zoom screen or, you know, uh, the Palladium theater, it doesn't matter. And then the final uh, phrase that we use is in a state of aliveness. So if you, if you find that way to switch on and you connect, that's 99% of the work, it seems to me. Yeah. Because my view, Chris, that you as a, as, a, as, a, as a film actor, your job is to make them cut to you, right? They go, they go into the edit suite and they got lots of options. And your job is to make them go, God, you know, I know she's talking, but look at Chris's face. We got to <laughs> cut to that, you know? Right. And you do that by being present in
0: the moment. 100%, and I, I do, I believe that. We don't act for editors. That's something I don't, I think it's different. I think we are contributing to the story in a way where they will cut to you, where your st- your silence and your stillness can be just as engaging as you're talking, you know? And I think that's about connectedness, and I think that's about presence. But I also think that's about how, what, how are you being engaged? Like, I often feel my job is to offer as many alive versions as I can and it can change that take one to take five or six can change because of it's you know it's the same meal with fresh ingredients and I've always loved that analogy because what we're doing is we're you know not a lot of things may change but everything can change you know with a different reaction a different moment a different uh you know you know a set of circumstances that might change you know how you feel about it so i think that's um that's a really important thing that you that you're highlighting and mentioning is that on film it really requires you to be present because the camera sees into you and we have to allow that
1: Uh, the old-fashioned idea of the continuity person right Mm -hmm. um the
0: And he was just talking about continuity and he froze and then, and let's see if he matches his continuity when he comes back. That will be the defining moment of whether we can see that. Well, you know, while um, Scott comes back, we are gonna start to prepare for some questions and then we can hopefully get a chance to hear what you have to say and what you wanna ask Scott or even myself. I put a challenge to the group if if Scott would continue where he left off to match his continuity.
1: Yes. Uh, <laughs> apologies. Uh, I think the trouble is on my end. So I'm sorry about that. We're having a little hiccup here. Continuity person, the, the person who, who used to be called the script girl in an earlier age, uh, was always kind of the enemy of the actor because you'd be doing whatever you wanted to do and whatever you were trying to do and all of a sudden someone would come up and run into you and say you you, you drank your coffee with your left hand, not your right hand. <laughs> and, and the actor got loaded with this information that, that is minutiae. And my notion, Chris, of, of providing them choice when they get into the edit uh, is underscored by a lot of actors. Emma Thompson said that that she believes it's her duty when she goes on set to give them choice, to, to give them a, 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 an array of, of choice. Uh, so oh, I, I think the age of the continuity, first of all, technically speaking, they can change so much about what happens. They can change skin tone and, and you know, hair color and eye color and you know, everything else about your performance. So I think continuity is in a different place now than it was even 10 years ago, but certainly 30 years ago.
0: Yeah and I also think the way that we shoot things now is different too. So therefore I mean the laws and principles of filmmaking don't change but the way that we we cut and we edit and how we tell and receive story has changed. So therefore sometimes I would say that it, you know the the capturing the performance And, you know, and I've just been watching a couple of series, you know, and there's some really great, we want to consume things in a much longer way now, whether we, we get through eight episodes, 10 episodes, 20 episodes. And so we're more interested in the continuity of the character and where they're going on their journey. We get more of that rather than. You know necessarily the continuity of cup and right hand or left hand do you know what i mean i think we're more interested in how far is this journey going to go in terms of storytelling so i think that's even a far more exciting way of looking at um uh, how we're uh, taking on content and how we're taking in story these days
1: i'll add to that chris and i'll say that i think the you know when i was cutting my teeth in this business the, the kind of the watchword was you, there were character actors, so-called actors who seemed to specialize in, in hiding themselves and, in, and presenting themselves in different ways. If we look at that, that was never actually true. Uh, you always knew it was Alec Guinness. You always knew, it didn't matter how much makeup he put on, you saw his mannerisms, you saw his way of being. And I think that myth of that the actor somehow subsumes themselves into character has finally been exploded. And now I think we're far more interested, not in in how much nose putty you put on or how much you know how you change your, your look, as much as how you respond to your circumstance. That the given set of circumstances is the new definer, I think, for what the actor does, much more than their intent or their idea. Um, so in yeah. my work, for example, we, we largely ignore the concept of character, and we replace it with with presence in the moment.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that's something that film and television, you know, is very much, um, you know, demanding nowadays. We're just going to, we're going to, before we run out of time, we're going to um, take some questions now.
3: Hi, hi Scott. Hi, Chris. <laughs> I'm very jealous of Scott in Paris at the moment. Um so I've noticed in our industry, we're talking more and more about inclusivity and increasing the sort of number and diversity of stories being told. I guess, yeah, my fear is with the cost of sort of our drama schools going up, the cost of training going up and funding to the arts, especially in Australia, continually being cut away and cut away and cut away. The idea of putting the onus on the performer to come up with the time and infrastructure to, to be self-testing and also self-testing sometimes immediately, um, and having to drop work, uh, I'm wondering if that's going to basically remove our ability to have an inclusive industry. Uh, if only sort of people who have access to the resources to put together their own self-tests. So that's lighting equipment, sound equipment, cameras. I know we have a lot of that in our phones. But again, you know, what what do we do for the people who don't have iPhones, who don't have spaces, who don't have people who are happy to drop everything to read for them? Yeah, it's a
1: great question.
0: Yeah, I feel like yes every time you know you get a self-tape the most the thing that we always you know if it comes in by your agent or you you respond to a request the the first thing we kind of understand is the deadline and it's the first thing we have to go what has to happen in order for me to meet this um and that's really challenging because we all have different sets of circumstances that we are in our own lives and and also you know what are the obstacles in order to do that so I always say, and I encourage this is that, you know, who, who is your community? Who do you call on when you need someone to, you know, and I, I have a network of people that I go, right, I've got a self-tape. I want to work with this, you know, and can we do a rehearsal or can we do a read through? Can we, you know, can you explore this with me? And I think that's a really important thing that we can do as a community of actors who are all in the same position in some way, whether we have to self-tape, you know, they're going to have to self-tape and you're going to have to self-tape at some stage. So if we can help each other on that level that's fantastic i don't think the tech side of things is as important as we sometimes want it to be i think if we can deliver what we have to which is you know my performance here with another person being present and engaged um sure i don't want to see a cat or something moving in the background you know that might be distracting but essentially it doesn't matter what your background is. If it can be neutral, great. You know, if you can have a drop cloth, great. If you can have a nice background, great. But it's more importantly, you're filling that frame. You are the landscape. Your face is the landscape of that, you know, of that frame. And I think that's the most important thing. And I've done self-tapes in a in a hotel room or bathroom, and just because the sound was okay and, and because it was neutral. So I, I think, You know, most people are forgiving of that. If anyone really wants you to have a professional self tape, then you know that's not really. I mean, that it is possible, and it's that you can go about various ways of doing that. But it's not the be all and the end all. I mean, they're probably the first things that I respond to with that. With your question, does that make sense Um, in terms of what happens and how we how we can get around that? Um, There are some things that we can't control. But what we can do is really call on our community and our network, you know, that you can call on, then it'll, it will ease the burden or lighten the load.
1: If I can address what I perceive as the other part of your question, the inclusivity part of things, then we are engaged in a massive conversation about inclusivity. And I would offer that, uh, in, I don't think we're going to be walking away from the world of Zoom. And I think it's going to render slightly changed the traditional training of you show up to nida and you you give your two years there and all of that and i think that's going to address hugely the notion of de- democracy in our business uh, that that in other words much more uh, availability is going to be happening in the world because of this platform you and i are talking on right now
0: yeah i agree a good performance is a good performance and like as yeah. scott said you can be ca- you good, can be cast it? can be cast from the virtual casting room and then turn up on set and meet the people and then you're you're doing it. So that kind of changes things, I think.
1: Nice to meet you, Kieran.
3: Yeah, Yeah, you too, Scott and Chris. Uh, That answers my question. And I I know that the MEA is doing great things in terms of putting self-testing studios around the States. So yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for uh, answering my questions. And again, so jealous, Scott. Oh my gosh, I wish I was in Paris.
4: (laughs) Not bad. (laughs) Hi, Scott. Oh, right. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi, Hi. I'm jane Hi. Thanks for this. This is really great. So, so love these sessions, absolutely brilliant. Thanks for your time with this. So my question is, so for a self tape audition, because you haven't got that opportunity for them to say, oh, well, I'll do another take, should you sort of, as a more or less a standard thing, say, well, okay, I'll play this two or three different ways and just send that through with the self tape rather than just do a one-take? Do something different
0: yeah in my experience you're you're offering something that is you're responding to a brief you know that you've gotten from your agent in many cases nowadays they'll even say that you could submit a, a couple of takes obviously you don't want to send too many because you know that mm. they won't get through all of them and you know one of my uh, the, the person i was referring to earlier who's a la casting director and teacher what she was saying is that you only send two if they're different, you know? And if they offer some contrast, if it's two different versions of the character, then they can see that A, you have range, B, you have two different points of view. Point of view is so important because that's what makes you respond to the material, as Scott was saying, you know, it's a set of given circumstances that you're responding to and you're, doing, you're offering your version of that. And I think that can be, um, you know, a, a really good opportunity to go, well, here's what I think is the most obvious way of doing it. And here's one way that I feel like this is what my take on this is. But either way, you're still responding to those set of, that set of circumstances. But as long as they're different, I would say, you know, don't send two takes texts the same because it won't help.
4: Yeah,
1: okay. That's amazing advice. I will own this, uh, Jane, and thank you for the question. It's nice to see you. I'm reminded how much I love coming to Australia when you people come on and I'm thinking, oh, I, I want to be in the room with you guys. <laughs> uh, my information in the world of auditions and castings is out of date and I'm going to own that. I started uh, directing in 1975 and there was a very different landscape then in terms of the way we auditioned people and how we went forward. But there is one principle that that was true then that I think is true now and that is they know within seconds whether they want to continue this relationship or not. Uh, And it seems to me that there is a great temptation for the actor to provide a, a whole array of uh, you know a fanfare of, of options for them. They don't see it because they they're watching the first 10 seconds of your of your thing and they know whether they're going to continue watching or not. Uh, my brother is a commercials director in LA, hugely successful. and I'm always plugging him for information about the way he perceives because uh, almost all of his casting has, has been done for the last 10 years on his computer. And he said, "Yeah, you know, within seconds, whether you want to continue this, whether you're going to call them back or or read them or something or whatever." So I think I think the actor should resist the temptation to offer a huge menu and instead just go with your best work right up front.
0: casting right. director had mentioned that bit. she was teaching a director how to view self tapes. She said, "I have three things that I look for. One is, am I engaged?" right off the bat of who I'm watching. The second is, do I care about what, what's going on for them in terms of what their point of view is? And the third is, do I want to keep watching? And that's how they would, and that's how she was teaching this television director how to view self tapes. And I thought that was a really great, simple way of going, yeah, it, that's, that says to me, it's about point of view, connection, and do I care about what's going on in, in their world? And I thought that was a really great way of getting to the ex, uh, the essence of it straight away. So thank you for your question. I hope that helps yeah. a lot. Well, about thank it. you,
4: thanks, uh, thanks for your response both of you, really, really good, really <laughs> helpful. Thank you.
2: Hi Scott, hi Christopher, how are you? Good thanks, how are you? Good thanks, thanks so much for this, this is great. The immediacy for which, you know, you need to get the casting directors or the director's attention And especially also with how little time we are starting to have when it comes to actually preparing and exploring i guess you know we kind Mm. of there's not as much rehearsal time which means we got to really get it and go it's now i guess it was essentially just the way of uh, delineating between really preparing and get and being direct and you know in your choice but to still actually seem like you are listening and reacting to the other person. I've, I've started to notice like, oh, that, that line is quite, has gotten quite blurry sometimes, especially also when you don't have as much time to prepare. And you also know that, you know, they're going to look at you in the first 10 seconds and no, and no. Right. I don't know if that is too much of a complicated question, but it's just, yeah. For me more about how to delineate between that, really strong, direct choice and being really alive? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And
0: I, and I feel like there is kind of two components there. I think sometimes we think grabbing their attention might mean that we um, have to energetically, you know, have to grab them. I also have seen really effective and amazing things from, you know, either actors I've worked with or tapes that have been successful, starting with connected silence or stillness, you know. Mm -hmm. And I and I've seen that be really effective because as we talked about before, the Zoom and the self-tape space can create the leaning in. What are they doing? You know, it's small and it's subtle. And I think to be subtle and small. And I don't like that use, that term small sometimes because I think it means that we have to reduce ourselves. So I'm going to go for something else, but more specific and say, you know, connected but alive. And that is far more important. And it doesn't just have to be in dialogue. And that's something, it's a risk. And I know that it's a risk. And I feel like that, um, it's worth pursuing. So that's something from, from my experience of doing lots of lots of self-tapes. Um, I think it's a, yeah, I feel like, I wanna say more about this, but I'm kind of interested in what Scott has to say about this, so I'm gonna feed in after what Scott replies.
1: Thanks, Chris. And John, nice to meet you. It seems like we might have a country in common.
2: Yes, uh, fe- fellow, fellow American. <laughs> ah. <laughs> You'd think Um, after living here for 16 years, I would lose my accent by now, but oh well.
1: I heard a tiny bit. I heard a tiny bit, but uh, yeah. So it seems to me that the actor's uh, dilemma is in in the audition thing, and our our conversation is largely now focused on auditioning rather than other things, but uh, it does seem like the audition contradiction is that I view auditions not as acting opportunities so much as sales pitches.
4: <laughs> and the
1: basic principle of the sales is find out what they need and try and meet that need. Yeah. So with that in mind, I think that the idea that, uh, the, the rather old fashioned idea of character choices, uh, preset performance, the way you identify it, John, that mm-hmm. sense that you know, it doesn't matter what freight tra- train moves through the screen, he's still gonna be doing that same thing he always mm. did, uh, is, uh, is a really old fashioned idea that, because what they're looking for is what Chris and I are banging on about this whole conversation, immediacy and mm. responsiveness. Uh, I think that's much sexier than, a however glorious a set performance, because, mm. because you can smell a performance that's been, that's been encased in amber. You just yeah. know it. And and you can also feel the, the the alive performance that's happening right in front of you. And that, yeah. I think we get hungry for. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I um, I agree. And I think one thing that I can just um, dump in here about John is that, um, is that audition acting is different from when you're going to do it. And we know yeah. that. And so therefore, in a way, it's kind of a stripped bare raw thing. And I think if we offer that, and we trust that, which is a bigger thing, because sometimes people want to prop things and they want to do all these different things. And, and I think that's dressing in a way. And it's taking away from getting to the core of what you're doing mm-hmm. is really trying to um, grab their attention in a different way. And you can do that mm-hmm. with, you know, I, I love this idea of, you know, what will make me lean in? And if I'm watching, and if I'm really connected to that other person, and I had uh, a coach say this to me once, I want you to pay attention to the breath of the other actor, of the other person. And I just thought I was like, Whoa, that's a amazingly precise but intimate thing, and it was the thing that made me go, yeah, yeah I, that's a that's a detail that would really make a great thing for for a close up, you know is yeah. that if you can really sense what their breath would be like, even though that I'm not that close, but if I'm really zeroing in, I'm creating that, hopefully that lean in and that yeah. stronger connection.
2: Great. Yeah, so you would probably say that, that in, in audition acting, you're even more stripped back and raw than you would be yeah. actually you know, in a when job or something. Yeah. yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that's, um, no, that's fantastic. Thank you. Because then it's coverage, right? When we're on set, we yeah. get different levels of
0: coverage and we go, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I know based on how the shot list is created or the director's vision, what he or she wants to do, oh, this isn't this moment isn't as important as blah, blah, blah. You know? So therefore what we offer and what we pitch, and I totally agree, Scott, it is like a sales pitch, but you're pitching your potential of saying, this is what I would do with it. And the bonus is, you know, and this is what I do with it when you pay me.
2: True. <laughs> sure. I love that. Right. You get the you get the first one for free, but
0: you know. But the,
2: the other the other the other bit of work, you got to pay me. I love that. Yeah, totally. That's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wasn't
1: it Russell Crowe Wasn't it Russell Crow who said, uh, uh, "I act for free. I get paid to wait." <laughs> that yeah, uh, that sounds. This is like Michael
4: Caine actually? <laughs> could be. It Michael Caine, was it?
0: Okay. Probably it could be, and uh, also I'm sure you know Russell could you know pick up on that too. But yeah, but it also, you know, it is an x-ray machine. I think that's the thing that we're also saying is it sees into you and you have to let it. And the one person mentioned it to, to me in this way um, is that the camera loves intimacy. And the way that we break that down is into me, you see, and that's what you want the camera to do. Mm-hmm. And you need to allow it. And the only way you can do that is to really connect with the other person and, and that's something I've always remembered and thought was a really great way of breaking it
3: down. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Great question.
4: Leslie. Hi, Scott. Chris, thank you for um, this terrific session. My question is with Meisner, the training that I've had is that we're told to learn the script first so that you're really solid, you don't have to worry about it, and then you can play, then you can be spontaneous, then you can be focusing on the other person. But I've recently been doing some online training and the teacher from the States was saying that they feel that script analysis has to come first. You need to understand the objective and the subtext of the scene before you... Get anywhere before you even think about learning the lines. So where do you stand on that? How do you reconcile those two?
1: Thanks, Leslie. What a great question. Question back for you. Was the was the teacher that you were working with uh, from the States a Meisner-bruted teacher based in
4: Meisner's work? She's a uh, Steppenwolf trained.
1: Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, very that very much Meisner um, oriented, I would have thought. Um, So there are multiple ways forward here. I have a very strong feeling that, um, was it, I can't remember what teacher wrote in his book, uh, this quote, I'm gonna teach you acting from the beginning and the beginning is text analysis. So they begin there. Um, Chris, do you remember who that is? I think it's somebody who comes and works with you. Oh, go on! Put me on the spot. Um,
4: <laughs> well, the the person that I was listening to has worked a lot with Larry Moss. If that helps, yeah, you. that that's what
0: I was going to say. That's Larry Moss sounds, sounds like a Larry um, quote, yeah, for sure. Text analysis is, I think it is. primary in his. The writer yeah. is king, you know, and that writer understanding the the point of view of the writer and the perspective of the playwright, the world of the play, which is so vitally important from that perspective, that's where Larry comes from. Yeah,
1: Stella, I'd love. i love I have to say, Leslie, I don't agree with that. Um, and for this reason, I think that what that tends to do is to place the actor um, in the point of view of what they intend and how they wanna work and what they think is, the, is going on, and therefore less responsive to what is actually happening in the room. Um, when I train people over an extended period of time, uh, what I do is, I, the last thing I get to, literally the last exercise I teach, is text analysis. Um, because I have so many more important things I need you to get to first. Um, a state of aliveness, uh, responsiveness, the ability to observe well, all of that stuff. And therefore, if I begin you, with all great respect, and I do have great respect for Larry Moss, If I begin you with with the ideas you intend to convey or where you think the thing is going, um, I'm going to, uh, I think, do damage to your ability to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore I take a different point of view on that topic. Uh, I I would love it if you never see the script, Leslie, until I hand it to you on that first day of rehearsal and we together go and explore things. And, and then you, you'll learn the lines really easily because you're learning them in context. Yeah. And then the text analysis isn't so much an intellectual approach as it is a visceral, on-site event that you do together.
4: Yep, and that's very much the way my Meisner teacher works, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, and I feel like that there's the, the validity of many techniques, particularly when you're dealing with like a literary medium, you know, when theater requires um, a lot of text, I feel like one of the things I can speak to in terms of film is that I I have employed and played with many different techniques in terms of that. And, And what I love the most and what I feel has grounded me the most is my ability to really try and listen to not just the text, but the behavior of the other person. And that's the thing that's really stayed with me. So I think that really is the saving grace of film is not only the active listening that we have with language, but quite often in film we see before we hear. And so it's visual in a sense where we have to understand what is the actor doing and what what is going on and how we take in things. And I, I love that. I love that there's, that's a part of film and screen acting is that that's a really important component. So. For me, I try and you know, resist learning the, the text in a certain way and really try and get to the, the, the core of what is going on in the moment with the other actor. But I'm also a big advocate for text analysis. So I feel like um, that they do really help. So And I love Larry's book and his, he's got such an eloquent way of uh, describing how those things can really inform the actor when you know the world. And I feel like that is very valuable to, to really take on as an actor.
4: Okay, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
1: Nice to see you, Leslie.
4: This one I am reading out. In the US and Europe, it is far more common to have the sides in your hand. Will self-tapes change the need for Australian actors to be off book for an audition?
0: I don't know if that's going to change. If you're expected to be off book here, I know there's a certain level of thinking that, you know, they want to be able to, you to be able to see what you can do in, with, the, with that character, with that script, with that. I actually do love the idea of what script in hand can represent in an American context and having experienced both. Um, I think it says, this is a work in progress. This is not the finished product. I'm working this with you. And here is, and it's me, if I look at the line, it's not the most important thing, but I'm going to connect. And I love that mentality around um, having the script in hand. Um, I feel like we don't employ that here, but we should still think that it is a work in progress because we don't have all of the answers. And what we are doing is an active rehearsal. Um, And as Jane's question was earlier, which I really enjoyed is that um, talking about is that when we do get to offer we are pitching a different version of what we think this could be and we should constantly you know be um, it's hard to, to not to nail something down um, but if you do have one really great take and you feel like that's it then sure then send that but if you feel like there's something there's value in offering a different flavor then do that um, what, what are your thoughts around that Scott?
1: Yeah, Chris, I I don't think I disagree with the word you're saying. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, I'm 25 years based in Europe, uh, but I'm American trained and born. So um, I I suppose that I would say this about that. If you don't memorize, you are sending a very bad message, which is to say, I didn't care enough to invest my time and energy in this audition. But if you've got the script in your hand, it does two things. It gives you confidence and it gives exactly what Chris is saying, the idea that we're a work in progress. I think memorize and have script in hand and you get the best of both worlds.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, and I have done both. I have held the script in, in my hand, but I've also you know been off book. Um, and I, I you know I think that, I don't think it will, I feel like it's probably gonna take a while for that to, to change. There are allowances, I should say, if you've been shooting something and you're busy and you've put down this audition and you have the script in hand, there are very artful and clever ways of using the script in that can be um, an ally rather than a barrier. And when we see it as a barrier, and then we start apologizing for it. And then when we start apologizing for it, then it's the enemy of good work, you know, because then we're saying we're not worthy. So I feel like you, know, you can use it to your advantage in, in that sense um, and for it to not to be an apology.
4: Now, we have gone over, but there's one more question that's about Meisner, which might be a nice lead in for next week's talk. If you don't mind, can we just do one more question?
5: Thrilled. <laughs> hey, Scott. Hey, Chris. Hey. hey, Joel. My, I mean, let me start off by saying I'm, I'm a big Meisner fan as well, It was the first technique that I learned. I was a pretty big fan of Larry Silverberg as well. And I love the fact that Chris, you know, promotes the Meiser technique and, and, you know, we always hear wonderful things about pretty much everything that happens to the factory. I I lean into what Chris said about analysis as well. I'm quite a big fan of of analysis too. So my question to you is, when you teach the Meiser technique, what, what has been for you the thing that actors have struggled the most with in picking up the technique? What, what, is, what has been the, I suppose, the the hardest part about the things you've found to actually struggle with?
1: Joel, are you talking about in relationship to the text analysis part of
4: it?
5: So that's something that is, I suppose, more personal to me, but for in your experience, because you don't, that, that wouldn't even be a, an issue for you. So in your experience then, what has that, what, what, what is the, the weakest, chink in the arm of being for an actor picking up the Meisner?
1: Well, start by saying that Larry Silverberg and I studied at, with Meisner at the same time. So we're friends from all right. the way back. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were in the same class at Neighborhood Playhouse together. And Larry's a fab guy. Yes. And we, yeah, we had a, a, a fascinating um, reunion about 10 years ago we were both teaching in the same event in Berlin as it happened. And we sat down in the beer garden and, and just immediately discovered that in the 30 years since we'd studied with Meisner, our work had paralleled but slightly diverged. Okay. And that's just down to the fact that um, life experience and, uh, and uh, sensibility, you know, what your sensibility is, uh, will alter the way you work. <laughs> what I would say in general, and this is all before I answer your question, Joel. What I would say in general is that everybody, the only expert in this work died in 1997 and all of the rest of us are laboring in his shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a long shadow because he had lots of good ideas and a brilliant way of delivering them, if a difficult way to, to it, it, was a, it was a tough room to be in, Joel. Mm-hmm. But I think where Larry and I would, would agree is is that it's about a kind of passion and a kind of presence and a kind of engagement uh, with you know a colleague of mine once said I can't want it more than my students do right mm-hmm. and it all has to emanate from them so to get to your question it seems to me that the block when I when I when I am dealing with an actor and I see perceived blocks that my challenge then the Addressing that individual in there in whatever's stopping them from working. And it's really highly individual. So I never think that I'm training a room. I'm training a lot of individuals in a room. And I and my task is to, is to, is to find out what's Joel's block and where 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 do I perceive he's he's stopping himself and how can I facilitate that the opening up of that event. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a very specific answer to your question, Joel, but it certainly is my approach. Every actor is there with all of the uh, openness and the passion they're able to muster. And every actor has uh, little you know, things they trip over on the way to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I also think just in you know, what I've observed in, in the training and, and as a participant, as someone who endorses it, is the ability to be able to get the attention off yourself and onto the other person, and constantly to be, you know, negotiating that, I find that that can be, as simple as it may seem, can be a very, it can be a struggle for actors, and and but it's also uh, a blessing in disguise when you know that whole thing is that you are not your problem, your problem is the other person, and I love that because it really means that. I need to be able to, what creates connection, isn't necessarily what I do, it's what I, what me in relation to the other person. And that's something that I feel is, is a really great tenant of the technique. And, you know, and while there are many valid techniques out there and, you know, I've heard Scott say this many times um, that Miser is the best one. No, but uh, <laughs> I was going to say that, that he, that, <laughs> that that this works and you know, I'm, I'm a big advocate for that. It does work and there are other valid techniques, but, you know, I think that's something when you're going for something that can be simplistic and can be taught, which I do believe, I do believe the Meissen technique can be taught as in actors can learn the art of, of acting with that technique. And I think that, it, and they can take it from having a technique and they can take that into whatever job that they need to. So that's something that's really uh, beneficial about that, Did that into your shit drops.
5: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you both gave di- gave different answers. I kind of, Scott, I kind of thought that that, that would be, you know, one of, the, <laughs> one of the things would be the blocks that prevent somebody from just being truly free. But then, Chris, you specified, you know, more on that, putting the, the attention on the other person and then also being free at the same time, to change with whatever you're getting. So it was kind of a combination of both.
1: I agree, you yeah. Yeah, a great deal of my effort in teaching is to uh, prove to you as as uh, actors that that's enough. The principle that what happens to you doesn't depend on you. It depends on the other person. And only, only the, the proof of seeing it and experiencing it for yourself, that's the only way forward. But Chris, thanks for the nice words. And I think you ought to teach this stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I, I honestly feel like forever a student and, you know, and I'm actually taking a class in Meisner on Zoom at the moment with with, with a film uh, outcome. So that's something that, and it's the basis of their work. They use Meisner as, the, as the, the basis of their training. So I know that it works for me and I also know that it works for others. And and I think that's an important distinction. Is that we you know there are many different tech- There's a smorgasbord of acting choices and schools and things and ways to be able to consume and educate. But I feel like you know we're in a, a a time where we can have that opportunity to look in, delve into these things, and get really familiar with this space. And it's so important to do that. And I feel that the the bottom line currency is connection. We're all looking for connection, and that to me. Um, says what this technique is about and yeah thank you joel for your question that was great and i think that's a really great way of wrapping it up and with all your questions and thank you for being such a a great group of actors who have joined us for this conversation and Scott, I know that there are many um, things that we can talk about. And I think it's exciting the fact that you get to do a follow-up this time next week. So these conversations that we get to have with artists who are overseas or within our country, it's a really fantastic opportunity to engage, to learn, to take you know, your own practice to another level. So I really want to thank um, Scott and Alex and the Equity Foundation for putting this together. It's a fantastic thing to do.
4: And of course, in turn, uh, uh, we want to thank Scott and Christopher for doing this. It's been fantastic. So thank you to both of you and, of course, to all who've attended today. Thank you so much.
1: Bye, everybody. Hey, Chris, love you, man. Talk to you soon, okay? Yeah, take care, buddy. Take care. We'll chat soon. Okay. Bye. Alex, you're the best. Nobody better. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Alex. Thank you so much.
4: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Scott. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
0: Media Super is the principal sponsor of the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work of the Foundation, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Australian Actors' Equity on Facebook and Twitter.